in 30 minutes, I can teach you to do personal work. And by personal work, I mean talking to your friends and neighbors and people you run across, strangers, talking to them about Christianity and their souls with the, the goal of saving them. In 30 minutes, I can do that. You go, Whoa, what makes you think you're so smart? Well, nothing thinks, makes me think I'm so smart. I'm not smarter than Jay Henderson that, you know, for years has taught the five-part Bible study to convert people. I'm not smarter than these evangelists that can come in and, and give ten lessons, you know, Sunday through Sunday. I don't think I'm smarter than anyone. But I do think that I was in the right place at the right time. Because for the last several years, I've just felt this burden that I should be talking to people about Christianity, trying to get them saved, but I didn't know how to go about it. I've preached for years. I've been a Christian for years. I've traveled with some evangelists. I know how to do the five-part study that Jay Henderson uh, advocates. But something just didn't feel right. How do you start a conversation about Christianity? I mean, you could say something kind of dumb, but... I mean, it's not dumb, but it's kind of awkward way to start a conversation. Do you believe in Jesus? People go, uh, yeah, why? This just didn't feel right. But one day, not too long ago, I think it was between services here, uh, I was reading a religious article on the internet, and it had a link to something tactics. And I said, that sounds interesting. And so I clicked on that link, and it was a book that Amazon sells, and it's called, uh, Tactics, the game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. And I thought, that sounds like what I've been looking for. And so I ordered the book and started reading. I said, Eureka, this is what I've been looking for for years. And I know that what this guy talks about in this book, game uh, Tactics, if you look for the book, when you search on Amazon, if you just type in Tactics, it was the very first one that came up. I didn't have to scroll down and look for it. Um, I know that this works because I started reading this book and I wasn't even halfway through it and I've got this young guy from the church in Gunner. He's 20 years old. His name's Wesley and he works with me doing swimming pools. And uh, we were working one day and I started telling Wesley about this book and I hadn't even read it halfway through. I certainly hadn't mastered the principles, nothing like this, but I was telling Wesley about how to, what this book says, how to do personal work, and he comes back the next day and he goes, it works. I said, what? He says, what you were telling me yesterday. Because <laughs> Wesley goes to church and he's, he's conservative in his views, but he's got a sister, a younger sister, that believes in gay marriage and uh, I can't remember some other stuff like that. So Wesley and his sister are at odds on a lot of issues. Well, he went home and started asking her questions. And he was telling me all about this. And one question led to another and she would answer. Finally, she ended up getting mad at him and went and talked to him. I said, Wesley, the book says, if you make them mad, you've lost. He goes, I know, but it just happened so quickly. It was so easy. <laughs> so I know that uh, that this works. That this way of uh, doing personal work works. So what is this method I'm talking about? The method is... And I'll explain everything as we go along to just ask questions. Not tell people what you believe. Not tell them what they ought to believe. Not tell them that they're wrong about something. Not necessarily telling them what the Bible says, but just asking questions. And we do that all the time, don't we? Good morning. My name's Danny. Who are you? Kent. Where are you from, Kent? 
Where are you from? I ask him a question. Was that hard? Of course not. We do that all the time. What movie did you go see last night? Where do you work? Where are you from? Anyone can ask a question. So that's how you do personal work. And this is not new. This is old. Uh, Socrates advocated this method of teaching. It's called the Socratic method of teaching. Have you ever had a good teacher? And rather than just state a bunch of facts and you write them down and memorize them, the teacher asks you questions. And you answer it. And the teacher says, well, if that's true, then what about this? And you think, well, that wouldn't work. So it must be this. And the teacher says, very good. Now let me ask you another question. And the teacher gets you to think about things for yourself and can, with the right questions, can lead you to the answer. And you remember that better because you thought of it yourself. It's up here. Rather than just a bunch of facts that you've got to memorize and take a test on on Friday. So we ask questions. <clears throat> and in this book, this guy called, his name's Greg Kukul, I think. He calls it the Colombo Method. And if you're not older than 45, you probably won't remember who Colombo is. Columbo was this uh, TV series back in the 70s, possibly into the 80s, and it was played by Peter Falk. If you don't know who Peter Falk is, if you've ever seen Princess Bride, and it starts out this grandfather reading a book to his grandson who's going to sleep, that actor, the grandfather, is Peter Falk. Well, back in the 70s, he played a detective named Columbo. And Columbo was uh, just this bumbling idiot, so to speak. He often wore a trench coat. And he would be interviewing someone that he suspected of committing a crime. Murder or money laundering or whatever. And he would ask the guy a question. He would, you know, we think of a detective as someone that's real smart and walks in with a badge on their chest and starts asking questions. Well, Columbo wasn't like that. He was just scatterbrained. He would come up and he'd be questioning a guy and he'd say, "Uh, Do you have a a pen? Uh, My wife gave me a pen. Every day she gives me a pencil and I lose it. So you're sitting there thinking, what a dope. <laughs> and then he, he would ask a question or two. He goes, he goes, well, I was, I was just wondering. And he would ask a question about the, the crime scene or something. He goes, okay, thanks. Thanks very much. And he'd start to leave. And he'd just, he'd be, he goes, one more question. And he would say, and he would ask another question. He goes, oh, I never thought, okay, well, thanks. Thank you. And so he's got his overcoat on. He's putting his overcoat. And he goes, he goes, one, one more question. And so the what happened here was a criminal who thinks he's gotten by with a crime thinks, this guy's an idiot. He'll never catch me. But Columbo, by acting kind of naive and not so smart, could ask questions and get information from the criminal and eventually get enough information that you would see the other side of him and he would start, he'd get the police there and he would start... Saying, well, you told me this and you told me that, said, book him and the police would arrest him. Now, our goal in converting people is not to trap them. Our goal is not to win an argument. Our goal is for them to be saved. We had several songs that were about that, Seeking the Lost. Uh, Dusty, the first one he read was, was Sin the Light. We are looking for others to save them. I told you about one time about the comedian that says, I've got a friend that's a Christian and he promised to never talk to me about Christianity. And at first I thought, cool. And then I thought, heaven hog. You know, have, have we discovered the good news, but we want to keep it to ourselves and not share it? Like if you discovered a gold mine, you wouldn't want everyone to know about the gold mine. We want everyone to know about Christianity. 
Are we hogging it to ourselves? Of course not. So, before I get into the three questions, the three Colombo questions, I want to point out the benefits of asking questions to other people. The first thing is you don't have to know anything. If I tried to encourage you to do personal work, you say, I don't know enough. That's fine. You can do it with this. I told you about Wesley just visiting in the pickup. He went home and applied this. You don't have to know anything. All you got to do is be a Christian. Because if you haven't told somebody something, then you don't have to defend it. You're just asking questions. You have nothing on the line. It's very passive. And therefore, there's no pressure. So you can do it. Another thing about this is it keeps you in the driver's seat. I listen to talk radio a lot, especially Sean Hannity. He's, he's good about getting people on to have an opposing view. And if he can ask the questions, then they feel obligated to answer the questions. Now, one trick, I might talk about this a little bit later, is when he asks a question they don't want to answer because it's going to make them look bad or they're going to have to admit something they don't want people to know, they'll ask Sean Hannity a question. And if he's not smart enough, he'll answer. start going down that road. Now they're in the driver's seat. As long as you're asking questions, you're in the driver's seat without the other person realizing it. You're not bossing them around or acting like a know-it-all or anything. So it keeps you in the driver's seat. So uh, it's easy. There's no pressure. You have nothing on the line, and you don't have to know anything. Now, personal work should resemble diplomacy and not D-Day. You know, I said I was wondering for years, how do you talk to somebody? Do you just come out and say, well, what do you believe about baptism? Do you have to believe you have to be baptized to be saved? Well, if they don't, now you probably got an argument. You're going to be stating yours and telling them why they're wrong and vice versa. I thought, that's not, it would start a conversation, but I don't think that's right. Uh, personal work should resemble diplomacy while you're, you're trying to keep the peace and get along with someone. Remember I said earlier, if you make the other person mad, you've lost. If you get mad, You've lost. Because what's the goal? To save their soul. So personal work should resemble diplomacy. I've read a lot of debates uh, between opposing religions or maybe differences within within the church of Christ. And a lot of these guys are just real smart aleks. They're trying to make the other person look like an idiot. They're trying to prove him wrong. And, and uh, these kind of debates go away or people go away with a bad taste in their mouth for Christianity and you're not going to win any battles this way. So Christianity should uh, resemble diplomacy. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and also Ephesians referred to himself as an ambassador for Christ. What's an ambassador? Well, it's a representative. John is the manager at Three Forks. Therefore, he, he doesn't own the company, but he's an ambassador. The people see him. They may not know who the owner is, but they see John when they come in deep. And the way John conducts himself influences the, the opinion that the customers have of the restaurant. He's an ambassador for his boss, and his boss, or the owner, expects him to conduct himself accordingly. We should avoid arguments when, when doing personal work. So the, the purpose, and I'm fixing to get into these three questions. The purpose of these three questions is for you to just get up to bat. For years I thought, how can I get someone to sit down 
and do this five-part study because the five-part study starts in Genesis, covers a lot of stuff all the way through Revelation, and then the last or second last study is about being converted to Christianity. And so I thought, how do I start and finish? But with this method, you don't have to worry about finishing. All you want to do is get up to bat. You don't have to hit a home run. You don't have to get on first base. The, the, the pitcher may walk you. You may end up on first base never having swung the bat. I was asking Allison about uh, batting average. An average in the, uh, the major leagues, an average batting average is 300. What that means is out of a thousand times up to bat, you're going to hit the ball 300 times. That's not very much. What that means is out of a thousand times, you missed 700 times. But a, a really good batting average is 330, which still means you missed 700 and 70 or 670 times out of a thousand. You're not very good, are you? But baseball games are won with batting averages of 300. Another thing is you may get up to bat and you may strike out or you may hit a foul ball or you may hit a pop fly and they catch it and you never make it to first base. But they have another statistic in baseball called RBI, runs batted in. And what that means is no matter what happened to you, as a result of you getting up to bat and whatever you did, somebody else got in and scored a point for the team, which is the goal. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. They don't count how many strikeouts, how many times you got up to bat and failed, how many points at the end. So all you want to do is get up to bat. Paul said, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What Paul was teaching here was that I don't have to do everything myself. I may start the process and someone else may finish the process, but in the end, someone is converted. Years ago, people in Church of Christ got a bad image because uh, there were a lot of people that were just really outspoken. And they would tell people, if you're not a member of the Church of Christ, you're going to hell. Well, that offended a lot of people. And so the next time someone from the Church of Christ came along, they weren't interested in listening. Because they already had a bad impression of us. Our goal is just to get up to bat and ask a question. And what we want to do is we want to put a rock in their shoe. Have you ever been working and you've got a rock in your shoe and it keeps bothering you, but you're busy and you can't stop to do it? And you go, But you can't quit thinking about it either until finally you sit down and take the rock out of shoe. We want to put a rock in people's shoe. We're not interested in converting them. We want to get up to bat, and we want to put a rock in their shoe. Something for them to think about. All week long, they keep remembering that question you ask them. When you pointed out that something they believe might not be right, and they keep thinking about it. And then the next time they run into a Christian, and they get in a Christian discussion, what do you think about... 1 Corinthians 14, now they're ready to listen because they've been thinking about it. So where you started, you got up to first base, someone else has came up to bat, they get to first base, and now we're at second base. All we want to do is get up to bat. You may ask them one question. You may invite them to church. That may be the last time you ever see them. Mike talked about going to Jamaica on a cruise and got in a religious conversation with the lady. I think he's told two or three stories about two or three people. He put a rock in their shoe 
He got up to bat. Someone got to first base. Someone may come along and get the home run and get the point. In, in other words, converting someone. All right. So all that to say, what are the three questions? The three questions are the three types of questions. The three Columbo questions are, first, to find out what they believe. You know, when you go into a doctor and he starts doing CPR on you, whoa, 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 what's wrong? Well, what'd you come in here for? Well, I need stitches. I got a cut in my hand. Oh, I thought you needed CPR. A lot of times we get in a conversation, we start trying to tell people what we think they need to know or correct what we think, and we don't know what they believe. You've got to find out what they believe first. Where do you go to church? What do they teach there? What do they teach? How, are, how does your church teach that you're saved? What do you think about this particular doctrine? We want to find out what they believe. We can't carry on a discussion if we don't know what they believe. I mean, we've got some friends that we've known for almost 20 years. Michael and their son were good friends. For years... I wanted to talk to these people about church. But they go to another church there in Sherman, and I just didn't know how to go about it. So a few months ago, we were at their house eating supper, and uh, he offered thanks. And while he was praying, I kind of prayed my own prayer, and I said, please open my heart you know, towards him and to talk to him. And then I thought, and open my mouth. And then while we were eating, something came up about religion. Oh, he's always given Angie church songbooks. And he, he gave her one uh, sacred selections because his father collects songbooks. And he said, well, I didn't want this. Uh, I know this is a Church of Christ songbook, and I didn't want it to get polluted in the Baptist church. He was, he was teasing us. And I thought, my opportunity. And I said, you would make a real good Church of Christ. And he said, oh, I don't think so. What do I do next? This is before I read the book, too. Why not? He said, and like I said, I already knew that he and I believed a lot of things the same. He said, you'd be a good church pastor. I don't think so. Why not? He said, well, I really have trouble with that. Uh, uh, he said, I believe in once saved, always saved. Bingo! I could have talked to him for years and never found that out. And I could have talked to him about a lot of other stuff. And I found out with one question what his main objection is to what we believe. I know where to start now. Haven't seen him since then, can't go on. The first question we want to ask them is a question to find out what they believe. The second question we want to ask them, or second topic, because we may ask three or four or five or six questions about what they believe. The second question we want to, type of question we want to ask is why they believe that. Really? What led you to that conclusion? They may quote a verse and you say, really, how do, you, how do you get that out of that verse? Because you see, a belief is like a roof. A roof on the ground is useless. The roof is supported by four walls. A belief is the roof. It's what you live under. It's the way you make decisions. It's the way you see the world. But the roof is useless if you don't have any reasons for believing that. And so that's what the second question, we already found out with the first question, what they believe. Now we want to find out why they believe. And don't be surprised when a lot of people say, well, I don't know. Because a lot of people just repeat what they've heard and they've never thought about the reasons. Or they've got, uh, I guess you call it a soundbite, 
just things that they've heard that are supposedly reasons, but really don't make a lot of sense. And so the second question we want to ask them is why they believe it. Now, as Christians, we need to not fall into the trap of thinking that we're the only ones that have to give reasons for why we believe. We have to do that. First Peter chapter 3 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks you a reason of the hope that's in you. That's our responsibility. But it's also the other person's responsibility. Some people believe that Christians are the only ones who need to answer for their beliefs, but other people need to do the same thing. And I want you to remember this. Do not allow yourself in a conversation with someone to be thrust in a defensive position for what they believe. Because the rule of thumb is, whoever makes the claim bears the burden of proof. If they say, well, I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. It's not your responsibility to show that that's wrong and what the Bible really teaches. It's their responsibility to show why they believe that. Like I said, until you know these kinds of things and you won't really know, you're like a doctor. You're trying to find out what's wrong with this person so you'll know what to take care of. The second type of question is to try to find out what they believe. Or not what they believe, but why they believe what they do. So the first question, we're going to find out what they believe. The second question, we're going to find out the the reasons, the walls that support their belief. Can you do that? Of course you can. Questions like, what led you to that conclusion? Really? Does it say that in the Bible? Where does, who said that? Where do you get that? And of course, the more specific the conversation, you come up with more specific questions. And then the third question, I said that the good thing about this is, you don't have to know anything. You can meet a, a Jehovah's Witness and not know anything about the Jehovah's Witness, and you can ask questions and learn an awful lot. Now you know what to go home and study. I remember I worked with the Jehovah's Witness in Lubbock about the time Danielle was born in 1986, and his first name was Eloy. And I knew that we probably disagreed about a lot of things. But one time he said that something about the fact that Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. And I thought, oh, really? I don't. I mean, I didn't say this. I thought, I don't remember reading that. And I could have gotten all cocky and smart-alecky, which I usually is my way of doing things. But this particular time, I just asked a question. I said, really? Where does it say that? Well, the next day, he came back and he told me, and I didn't look this verse up, it's somewhere with four Gospels. And there's a verse in the New Testament that says about the time, or when Jesus was about 30 years old, he began his ministry. <laughs> well, what do you know? I learned something from somebody who believes different than me because I wasn't a smart-alec. And I asked a question. He had walls to support what he believed. And I came away learning something. So we'll all benefit from this. Now then, oh, as I said, you don't have to know anything to ask the first two questions. Now the third question, type of question, you're going to have to have a little bit of knowledge. And what that means is you're going to have to go home and study. Years ago, I worked with a, a guy. I wanted to be an evangelist for the Church of Christ. And I worked with this guy that was about my age that wanted to be a, a Baptist minister. And so while we were working building houses, we started getting in religious conversations. And I'll tell you what, I learned more in that two weeks than I probably have in any two or three year period. Because he would tell me something that I had never heard before. 
And I'd go home and I'd get my Bible out and I'd be flipping and reading. I'd read the verses. I'd read. I called Jay Henderson on the phone because I lived in Lubbock and Jay was in a place. Hey, this guy told me this today. I never heard that. What do you? And Jay would say, "Well, what about this? What about that?" I go, "Oh yeah." And so the next day, then I'd go back and and uh, talk more. Like I said, all you want to do is get up to bat. You don't want to get a home run. You're not trying to meet this person, find out his views on Christianity, teach him what the Bible says, and convert him all in one conversation. You can go home and say, I'll have to think about that. Go home, get your Bible out. Next time you read them, say, what about this? So the third type of question, you've got to know a little bit. You've got to do a little bit of homework, which if you don't know now, you'll, like I said, talking to that Baptist guy and going home and study at nighttime, I learned a lot. The third type of question that can do a lot of different things. It can inform it can explain your view, which is pretty much the same thing. It can persuade. It can put you in a beneficial position, or it can refute something they said. Let me give you a few examples. And what, I've only got 30 minutes, you need to buy the book. He goes into a lot more details, answers a lot of specifics, and gives, gives a lot of information you'll need. To inform. Well, they go to a church where they've got women, uh, pastors. What do you think about 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul told Timothy, let your women keep silence in the churches? You know, if he goes to a church where they have women teachers, they're probably not going to be reading this verse a lot. He's probably never heard this verse. And now you've just informed him that that verse is in there. You put a rock in his shoe, you've given him something to think about. What do you think about 1 Timothy 2, where Paul said, let your women keep silence in the churches? You've informed him something that's in the Bible. Another thing is you can refute something they believe. Well, what about 1 Corinthians 14 where it says, Paul says, but I do not allow women to speak, but they are to be in silence. Well, well, that's just an old Bible tradition. Back in Corinth, the women were talking and they had people in the balcony over here and people in the balcony. The women were shouting back and forth and causing a, a disruption. Well, let me ask you a question. That's what Columbo said. I've got one more question. Let me ask you a question. If Paul didn't want people to teach in the church, or women to teach in the church, if he didn't want them to speak, how could he have said it better than... Let your women keep silence in the church. Now he's got to think about his position. He's got to come up with an answer. Because he stated what he believed about the balconies and the women and everything. Now you're kind of refuting that argument. If Paul didn't want women to speak in the church, how could he have said it better than let your women keep silence in the church? Another thing that this third type of question can do is it can put you in a better position. And one thing that we need to do as Christians is be ready for the question. You've probably been asked it before, and if you talk to people, you're going to get asked this again, and you need to be ready for it so you don't fall into the trap. This guy that writes the book says one time he was uh, being interviewed on the radio, and this guy asked this question. And it's been said that whoever asked the question controls... Uh, or wins the argument. Because this guy worded the question 
Just try it. You've heard the, uh, do you still beat your wife? Well, you're not going to say yes. But if you say no, that means I don't beat her now, but I used to. So you can't answer that with a yes or no. What is the question for Christians? Do you believe that anyone that's not a member of the Church of Christ is going to hell? Or do you believe that anyone that's not a Christian is going to hell? If you say yes, that makes God look like a cold-hearted person that just throws out criteria and says, if you can't do this, then you're lost. And that's not what Christianity is all about. I like what Jay Henderson says to this question. He goes, well, this isn't exactly a question. He goes, well, I believe what you believe. Really? What's that? I believe that you've got to obey God to be saved. (laughs) Well, pretty much everyone believes that. Where we disagree is the different things we've got to obey. But now you're in a better position. Rather than you being, uh, I can't think of the word, in an awkward position between a rock and a hard place, now you've kind of got out of that hard place. Now you're in a position to discuss just exactly what it is that we have to obey to... to, um, to be saved. So we got to be ready for that, uh, uh, that, the question. So the third type of question is where we really want to start doing the teaching. After we've asked the first two questions, we can go home and study, we can call someone, we can get a book out, and we may find out that we're wrong and that they're right. But once we've got the first two questions, we've got to do some studying, and then we come back prepared to teach them what the Bible says and to answer their arguments. So I would advise you to get the book. I got it on Nook. didn't cost very much. In this book, it will tell you how to uh, uh, handle what he calls the steamroller. The steamroller is a person that's not really interested in discussing the Bible. He's not really interested in discussing the facts. He's not really interested in learning anything. He's interested in making you look like an idiot, and he's just going to steamroll over you And through experience, knowing what questions to ask and the way to word them, he's going to do his best to make you look like an idiot. So you get the book, and he's got a chapter on there called The Steamroller, and he'll tell you how to handle that type of person. So the three questions. One, to find out what they believe. Two, to find out why they believe it. And then the third type of question is the harder one. And that's where we start actually trying to do the the teaching, present what the Bible says to them, and get them to think about what the Bible says. And why do we want to do all this? Because we want people to be saved. One of my favorite verses, or there's several of them, in the New Testament, there were numerous times where Jesus was teaching and the people were following. I mean, so there were multitudes of people, crowds. And then it got to be evening, and the disciples said, send them away, because we don't have enough to feed them. And Jesus looked out on the multitudes, and he had compassion for they were a sheep without a shepherd and we need to put on this mind of Christ we need to see people the way Jesus saw them as people that have needs people that need to be saved and we need to feel that it's our duty to do what we can to help them and so that's why we they led some of the songs that they led Jesus had compassions and so I think with these three questions especially if you buy the book or maybe we can have more lessons on this later you can get a lot further talking to people about Christianity than you ever thought you could. We've got a song that we're going to sing. I'd like you to pay particular attention to the words as we stand and sing.